There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to episode 129 of the Power Chord Hour podcast, first episode of 2023. How you doing out there? I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here very, very late with this one. I know it is, uh, I guess if you're listening today, it comes out January 11th. And I believe the last I uh, spoke to you on this here podcast was on the last episode for the December uh, rundown that I did like not long before uh, leaving to go uh, hang out in Illinois for the new year. And uh, you know, I've been telling everybody this is kind of my excuse for, uh, I guess, really catching up on everything and, and anything that I still have to get done in the new year that I haven't yet. I've been blaming on the fact that uh, my New Year's Day lasted like five days, to be honest. I uh, I talked about it a little bit on the last one. I went to go hang out with Zach from uh, my buddy who uh, we've had on this show many times. He was on our uh, top five drive through records uh, albums. Our top five Blink songs, our top five Alkaline Trio songs, a couple other episodes. The dude has been on a bunch. One half of the Bad Boys of Illinois. Shout out uh, Kyle Steven, who is not there. He was in uh, the northern part. Uh, Zach's down in uh, Springfield. And uh, sadly, Kyle's too far away. But that would have been great to see him. But anyway, went to go hang out with him. Had a great time. But uh, yeah, I mean, we hung out and just had a good time for days. So like, I literally, I got back to town on uh actually i got back thursday last week so that would have been the fifth i did get back and uh and i mean on on the way too i mean i drove to go see uh go hang out with zach and then on the way back even caught a menzinger show in cleveland so i was kind of all around and uh then when i got back because i also believe on the last podcast i said i believe my words and i could be wrong but i want to say my like words or something along the lines of like as soon as i get home from Springfield, I'm recording the new podcast, and uh, that did not happen right away. I also came home. It was the weirdest thing. It was, I physically felt fine, but for like three days, I had I don't even really want to call it strep throat because it didn't really feel like strep throat. I physically felt fine, but like my voice was just strained, and uh, it was not like the best to like do a podcast and stuff. Which I still had to work, and I work in radio, and I still had to do the radio show for uh, last week. It was our first one of the new time slot, so I really couldn't, uh, you know, skip last week's episode of the radio show. So just got really busy with everything, and I mean, my voice was already shot, but by the time I did everything else, my voice was really, really shot, and uh, it it really only got better like I don't know a day or two ago now. So kind of finally got back to where I, I felt like I could do the podcast and uh, and you'll hear my voice too because I actually did an interview over the weekend with uh, Maddie Grace of uh, Cluttered our second uh, I, I always say Cluttered she's in a million other bands but uh, I always feel like that's her main one but anyway I had a really fun interview with her on uh, Saturday but uh, you'll hear it next week on the uh, follow on the next episode my voice is definitely uh, gravelly it is definitely like strained so I was like I, I mean I already had that booked and you already had some, again, like with the radio show and just, you know, the other stuff I got to do in radio for my job, you know, like other other priorities came in. And, you know, so this so what I'm saying is I spent the first uh, three minutes of this here podcast uh, just giving you a big old explanation on why this one took so long. But uh, I had to get it out. It is our uh, or I guess my top 10 of uh, 2022 talking my uh, top 10 favorite albums of the year. So uh, that was the other thing I, I almost this week had uh, was going to air the Maddie interview, but I'm like, it, it kind of feels weird not to start the year 
with my uh, favorites of last year. And really, I can't believe it. This is already our uh, our fourth one on the podcast because I did do one for uh, my favorite albums of 2019. So here we are with another one. I'm excited for it. That is this episode. I'm flying solo for the first one of 2023. And uh, and again, next week we will have a, a guest once again. And uh, it, that'll be a good one. I got to say, that was a really fun interview. But we'll get into that next week. We are here to talk my top 10 uh, favorite records of 2022 and uh, a really good year for music. I mean, just again, a really the last couple years, you know, of all the of all the shitty things in the world, music really hasn't been one of them. It's been really it's been a really good time for music the last few years, and it really hasn't slowed down. 2022, even with uh, you know kind of things going back to normal, you know, for the most part, like it really didn't slow down. Bands putting out some great music, which you kind of wondered if it was gonna, you know, like once people weren't uh you know like locked in as much and you know were able to go out as much and bands were able to tour and stuff again this uh, or last year I should say that like you know, maybe their, uh, you know, the musical output and all the uh, creative output and stuff would maybe slow down, but really didn't seem like it. We got tons and tons of good music from, I mean, bands new and old. I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking at my list here and like, I mean, there's already stuff that I'm like, oh, it could have like, you know, I definitely could have fit more. Well, I guess I couldn't fit more in my top 10, but you get what I mean. There's a lot that I could have put in here. But uh, starting at number 10, I've talked about this band quite a bit, Heart to Gold, with uh, their record Tom. That came out back in April of 2022. I mean, that not a band that I was aware of. I mean, they're a pretty new band. And uh, when I heard their album, I really I heard their first song, Tiger's Jaw, which I believe was the leadoff single on that. And I was blown away from the first listen. I was like, it was, it was just great because, like, the band, I've, I've said it every time I play them on the radio show, but, like, they really tow this line. You know, they're kind of they're kind of in the vein of, like, an emo band, you know, and I don't even love the term emo, but, you know, it gets used a lot, and I, I feel like they fit under that. But, like, with emo, there's, like, there's, like, the harder side of it. You know, I kind of think of maybe, like, a heart attack man, maybe something like that. Where it's like, it is kind of that, like, you know, I feel like a, they could go play with like a Tiger's Jaw or an American football or like something on that side of emo, you know, like, but I feel like it's both sides. Like, I feel like the guys in Heart to Gold, like, I feel like it's both sides of that, you know, like there's, there's an aspect of the band that's like that dad's Midwestern emo kind of stuff. And then also the other side of it that's a little more, you know, not even pop punk, but like a little, you know, also kind of have that like title fight you know, a little more of the grungy punk side. Like, I don't, I don't know, it like works really well. And I think when you listen to them, you get what I'm saying. Like, it's this really like, there's, it's melody driven, like indie rock, but it's still, you know, like can be loud, distorted guitars kind of, you know, also title fight. I mean, a band who I, I swear we hear them everywhere and maybe I'm throwing an influence on this band they don't have, but I mean, I definitely get heavy influence, uh, title flight influence from this band. I definitely think they, uh, are a fan of them, but I mean the album opener right, right away, like give me a call, like they're they're really like great musicians. Like I don't know the age of the band to be honest, but like I think they're all like early twenties. And I mean they they really have a sound that seems like they know what they want. Like you know some bands you kind of have that thing where first couple records you're you're like looking for your sound. It's not super defined yet. Like this band already has a pretty like defined sound. And like just on track one I think is a great example because it like the song goes in all these different places and does so many different things. And like, I'm talking about how this band kind of, you know, toes the line of both sides of, you know, emo or that, you know, emotional indie rock. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a word besides emo, but I mean, I feel like they perfectly fit within that a category, 
But I mean, like, like just I feel like the album opener itself, you know, right away they show you like like every side. I mean, it's a band who I, I feel like they have many different influences and you hear those many different influences in their music. You know, I, th- I think it comes out amazing. But I mean, one of one of the best, their singer, uh, Grant White Oak, he has an insanely strong voice. And I mean, grunge, like I wouldn't call them a grunge band. But, like, they really – there's this great – they just put out this, like, live at Studio 4 with uh, Will Yip, which uh, I also believe he worked on this record. But uh, they just did a, like, an amazing, like, stripped-down, like, like a live thing they put out, like a live EP live from uh, Studio 4 that you can go uh, check out as well. And, like, his voice, like, Grant's voice in that setting, I almost do want to say it's kind of grungy, like, this real – I mean, it's stripped back. Like, the one I'm talking about, you know, it's not, like, really heavy. It's them playing acoustic and stripped back. But, like, it also, I feel like on top of that, it shows that these songs work in all these different ways because they don't sound like they do on the record on this, like, session they did. But, like, it, it shows the songs in another light, and they're just as good in that light, too. So I think it's great. I mean, this whole this whole record just – it works perfectly. Like, it it's fun. But, again, it never goes too, like – you know, sometimes if you go too much in that, like – you know, the Midwestern emo side of like, you know, weird time signatures and like, you know, too much guitar noodling and stuff like they never they never go too far that way. But then they also don't go too far where they're just big, dumb, loud songs like there's definitely substance there. And like, again, it, it just it works both ways. I mean, you know, and, and again, they have a sense of humor. I mean, the the album, the album title is Tom and the uh, picture is just I, I think it's one of the members of the band. I can't remember. I, I saw it somewhere. The they, they said who it is on the front. But I mean it's a ridiculous cover with kind of ridiculous uh you know name name for it. But like the songs are still very serious and the music is very serious. So you can tell the band does care. Like, you know, I mean they have a sense of humor about things, but like they definitely care about the sound and they're you know they've 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 thought it out. You listen to this record and even though they're all young guys from, you know, I mean like the suburbs of Minneapolis, like I think they know. I think they know what they want. I think they know what they're doing. And also, with that too, I mean, I don't think tons of bands sound like them around that area. I mean, there's a lot of great bands that kind of are in the vein of Hearts Gold right now, but I don't think a lot of them are coming out of like the Twin Cities. I mean, I think they're kind of unique in that area for their sound right now. But I, I again, like, I feel like anything under that like emo blanket, I think the band kind of will appease anybody. You know, whatever whatever side you like of that, of that genre and, you know, what's going on in it. I think you will be a fan of them. I also think it will be too, like, they've definitely done a good amount of touring already, but like, I think as they keep going and get more exposure, like, again, they have a sound that just works with multiple kind of bands. So I think you'll see them on a bunch of different bills with a bunch of different kind of bands, you know? I mean, there's sprinkles, there's sprinkles of pop punk in here, but they would never, I don't, I get the feeling they wouldn't call themselves a pop punk band. And I feel like calling them a pop punk band is just wildly, it's it's not selling them correctly and it is kind of you know it's totally there's a difference between having some pop punk tendencies and then being a pop punk band you know but uh they're they're another one too and i gotta i always throw it out there with a man who's a trio but when they have an extremely full sound and this one does i mean like just for being a trio this man like does some amazing amazing stuff but i'll make a you know as as every year i make a little playlist of the uh of my favorite albums so i'll put these songs on there but i mean i would i would say like the three best to kind of represent the record also kind of my three favorites as well give me a call the album opener uh sonic and tiger's jaw which was the song i heard first and uh, just really really good that whole that whole record is a uh, very solid so that's my 10th favorite record 
of uh, 2022. Moving on to number nine, we had this band on the show, and uh, I absolutely loved them. I discovered them. Well, really, the album didn't come out until November, so I mean, pretty fresh album. Only been out about two months now, but uh, coming in at number nine, the Eves. Lately, I don't have a god and other obvious epiphanies. Great man from up the road in Buffalo. I just kind of randomly discovered them from, uh, I got like a press release. I mean, I get, you know, I get nonstop emails from, uh, you know, different PRs, uh, PR firms and like record labels and different stuff and getting just constantly getting music sent to my email. And, uh, you know, some of it good, some of it bad. You never know what you're going to get, you know, sometimes luck of the draw. But the Eves was one of those bands in there that I got, I got an email from and, uh, you know, check, checked it out and absolutely loved it. Like right away. It was like, Oh my God, like this is great. You know, I mean, and also it was cool. Cause I was like, Oh cool. Buffalo band. Like I'm always, you know, I live 90 minutes from Buffalo. It's like, I kind of, you know, the locals, maybe not the word, but I mean, it's close enough where it's like, it's neat when you see a band. I mean, they're about to do their album release show, which little plug. I mean, if you're listening to this before January 20th, they're doing their uh, album release show up at Mohawk place in Buffalo, my favorite venue in Buffalo. And uh, it's going to be a really good one. I mean, this band, th- this album, I mean, these songs sound like things you need to hear live. They're very anthemic. But, uh, I mean, yeah, just kind of randomly discovering this band and uh, this album, you know, at the end of the year. It came out again in November. And, uh, you know, it's funny because, like, come November, I mean, I'm already kind of solidifying my top ten of the year. I mean, I, I'm not really – I'm not expecting much else to come in, you know. And, I mean, really – sometimes you get a couple of those last ones now come December you're definitely like it's, it's just closed off I'm like you know people really aren't putting out much new music I mean I still kind of keep my you know ears open and everything but by that point you kind of already know your top 10 but this one this one like right away also kind of an instant for me like loved it because the other thing with that too is even if an album you really like it comes out those like last two months of the year like a lot of times you don't realize how much you like it until the following year you know what I mean after you have some time to spend with it but I mean this one like just instantly was like just right away like I I I love this record it hit me out of nowhere I instantly loved it and they're kind of what I love about them is kind of the same thing I love about Heart to Gold and even though they sound nothing like Heart to Gold they're a band who they kind of have this, this like, you know, they're definitely like an indie rock band, but like not the self-indulgent, boring kind of indie rock. And also it's like indie rock recorded by like, you know, dudes who have been in punk bands and love punk and stuff, you know, like, like if that makes sense, like it's, it's fun, like it's good indie rock, but without being extremely, extremely boring. Like I will even, I will even say that like there's bands that I can hear in the Eve sound that me, you know, like me personally, I'm probably not a big fan of, you know, and only, and only some, I mean, there's tons of bands we both love. I mean, I, we were, we were uh, fanboying out on a bunch of bands and I interviewed them, but like on the indie rock side, like the indie rock alternative kind of side, like there's definitely bands I can hear in the Eves that like, I don't personally listen to, or I'm that big of a fan of, but with the Eves doing it and delivering it the way they do, I love it. It works. It works amazingly. Like they're they're really, they just they have this great sound where like again like there's this punk energy that also really does. It gives you this. I, I think that's why these songs. I really want to hear them live. Is like you know if they were just kind of mid tempo, boring indie rock songs, but like they're not. They have this like you know, kind of fast tempo, energetic. I mean, very much like, you know, the replacements, you know, I mean, that's definitely a big band that I feel like you can hear within their sound, which I mean, is one that I absolutely love, but like, it's just, it's great. And on the other side too, 
the production. I feel like you have to bring up the production on this album. It is, it is unreal. The album sonically just sounds amazing. And uh, and another thing in the interview, I mean, GCR Audio up in Buffalo, who I mean, I, I've heard I've heard about a bunch over the years. Tons of great stuff has come out of there. But uh, again, to talk to the dudes in the eaves about recording there and everything, I mean, they know what they're doing. I mean, it's it's like you listen to this album, you would think they had this huge budget behind them and like all this like all this huge production and stuff. Like it just sonically sounds so full and big. And they're another band who's just a trio. And I mean, just coming from from a three piece band, I mean, the entire album just sounds absolutely amazing. So I mean, you definitely got a shout out. They worked with. Uh, Jay Zubricki and also Robbie Tackett from uh, Google Dolls did some work on there too. But all the behind the scenes too on there, that album sounds so so damn good. And uh, the the dudes the dudes in the eaves are talking accolades too of GCR Audio. So I feel like also you got to bring that up because it does. It sounds it sounds great on top of it. I mean that's another thing with albums. There's albums that are great that don't sound great, you know, production wise or sonically. You know, they just kind of you know leave a little bit to uh, be desired. But now with this one, the songs are good and the production is good. Like everything everything is just working at a ten here. Like just the behind the scenes stuff, the band themselves, the songwriting, like everything. And they're like, you know, they're they're a fairly new band. This is their sophomore record, but like it really feels kind of like the debut in a way of like this is really it's another where I think I think they found that sweet spot of like what the three of them do together and that sound like, you know, I, I think they really found that, which I mean, you know, it's the beginning of it. So, you know, hopefully they continue working on it throughout uh, albums. That's always a fun thing when you find a band and, you know, they have a sound you love and it's like, oh, they just started this. Like, it's going to be cool to see how they explore it and progress with it and everything. But I mean, even even on this record, they already seem like they know what they want to do. They know what they want to do with the music. They know how they want it to sound. And uh, it, it's just good, anthemic, energetic. I mean, it all really, there's not a song on here that doesn't sound like it'd be great live. Like, I'm really looking forward to that album release show because I really think the, you know, I've never seen the band live, but I really feel like they're a band you got to, you got to see live. You get that feeling listening to these songs, which is, uh, which is always great, which is also a hard thing too. Sometimes the songs, you know, if the production and stuff isn't done well, you, you do lose that like, oh man, these would be great live. Like it loses that energy, but they really didn't lose on this, on this record. You can still hear the energy of the songs still come out. So it still gives you that like, oh man, I want to hear this. You know, I want to hear this live like right away. But yeah, I mean, it's second record, but really, and I got to spend more time again. This I really discovered them on their second album. I got to spend more time on their first, but like just going from the first to now, I mean, they really do seem like they know what they want and they know what they're doing on this. I mean, it's, it's not, it's just, it's, it's so like the songs are layered and thought out. Like one of the coolest things too, there's trumpet all over this record and it's tastefully used in this way that adds an, an amazing, amazing element to the music. And in a way too, that's like, like it's on there quite a bit, like the trumpets all over the record, but it's so subtle that sometimes you don't realize that it's there for a minute. Like you'll be listening to it. And there's a couple of songs on the record that I probably didn't notice till like the third listen that the trumpet that the uh, trumpet was even there. Like it, it was just absolutely it works so well. Craigie, uh, Craigie versus the Screws, one that comes to mind. I think that might be the best one with trumpet on, and it. it's like it's probably one I really didn't notice the first uh, 
you know, first listen or two. But then when I did, I'm like, oh my God, like that works so well. And it really does. That entire record, I mean, I can't say enough good stuff about it. And I mean, just the fact that it's already hit me this hard and it's only been out since November. I mean, I, I, this is one of the ones where, yeah, I mean, retroactively, who knows in a year, this could be one of my, you know, this might be like in my top five of uh, 2022, but yeah, this record came out of nowhere for me, hit me hard. I'm listening to it a ton. I mean, just more and more. I, I've really, I, I enjoyed interviewing the band and, uh, just getting to hear these songs more and more. And I can't wait to uh, hear them live. But I would say my three off this record, Everything Sucks and I Am God, Craigie versus The Screw, and Not In Love. Those are probably my uh, three favorite and the uh, three you can listen to on the playlist I will uh, put up. But moving on to number eight, it is Fastball with The Deep End. This one came out in June of last year, and they uh, put out a sound. They put out the soundtrack EP. I interviewed Tony Scalzo of Fastball a little bit before this record came out, and uh, they put out the soundtrack EP earlier in the year, but it's four songs. That EP was four songs off this, so, I mean, really, it was almost like a teaser of uh, what was to come. But, I mean, this is like... This is legitimately one of Fastball's best albums in their entire catalog. I mean, they are not a they are far from a new band. They've been together I don't know they've been together thirty years, but if they're not, they're they're pushing they're getting close to being a band for thirty years. So I mean, they have quite a big catalog and this album sits up there as one of their best. I mean, just like it is so good. That classic power pop sound that they are known for. I mean, they they know what they're good at, and they've I mean they've crafted it so much at this point. You know, talking about like with the Eves finding their sound, and you you know that's one band who you know has their sound that they're finding, and they keep working on it. And you know, they're only album two in. Now here's a band who has their sound, and they're like album ten, album eleven in. You know, however many albums Fastballs in at this point. And, you know, all, and also with that, I mean, the further you go in your career, you can also get stale, you know, you can also, you know, you can be what you think is honing your craft, but you can just be repetitive and just continue rehashing the same thing over and over again. And they don't do that. This album just, it's like no nonsense, good power pop. The first song on it, soundtrack. I mean, it has just huge, it has a huge big star vibe to it, but also without, it's great because it has a big star vibe to it without being just a ripoff a big star, you know, it's still, it's, it's still going through the fastball filter. It's still fastball song, but you hear big stuff, which I mean, big star, one of the greatest power pop bands to ever do it. So like, I don't think that's a bad thing at all. I don't, I don't think if uh, you're listening to that and go, Oh yeah. Like they're cause also too, a lot of people try to nail that big star sound and don't do it very well. You know, there are more enough power pop bands out there. Like, let, let me tell you, I going back to like how much music I hear, I hear a lot of power pop and there's a lot of great power pop being made, but there's a lot that, you know, you can just tell, like, you know, I get a lot of stuff sent my way where it's like, people are just trying to recreate, you know, big start. It's like, they just, you know, it's, it's easier said than done sometimes, but this one I would not say, but also with that said, I don't think they were going for, you know, big star. I mean, it's an influence in there, but I don't think they were trying to be like, Oh, let's make this album sound like a big star record. But uh, you hear it on here, and it's amazing stuff. Um, just amazing songwriting, well-crafted songs. I mean, Miles and Tony really, they just, it's, it's one of those power pop duos. Like, power pop bands just seem to work really well in, like, songwriting duos. Like, there's something about that. 
And I don't, I can't remember when I interviewed him, I'm sure we talked about it, but like, I don't remember if he said that they do a lot of writing together or if they write a lot separately and then just bring things in. But like either, either way, the duo of them, it just, it works so well, the back and forth on the album, the songs, you know, the songs mesh and work together so well, you know, whether or not they work on on them together or not, they all feel, you know, the continuity and everything like they're, they just, it feels like they were all written together in the same room, 100%. It's the best power pop album you'll find in 2022, hands down. There were a couple of really good ones that came out last year, but, I mean, this is the best one you're going to find. It, uh, I mean, it also just sounds like a rejuvenated band. I mean, they they really, like, if you go through their catalog, there's I don't think there's any, like, really bad fastball albums. I think all of them are pretty good. You know, I mean, there's at least some good, like, you know, you're going to find some good songs on them, but some are better than others. But like this one, just it, there's really not a bad song on this one. Like, again, this is honestly one of their best records. So, I mean, it really, they're, they're in a good spot and I know they're already working on more music, which uh, makes me very happy because I think they're, they're in a really good place for uh, writing and it just, what, whatever they're doing seems to work really well. And, uh, you know, and a lot, a lot like most of their music, I think just like if you go, even the big hits, like you go listen to like the way or, you know, out of my head, it's like they have this timelessness to them. You know, they really don't sound like a certain time or era. And it's the same thing on this one. You know, I mean, the album, I don't think you're going to listen back to this album in, you know, 20, 30 years and go, oh, that sounds like the year 2022 or anything like that. It just sounds timeless. I mean, you even listen to it now. And, you know, I mean, it sounds modern, but it also doesn't sound, you know, modern in the way of just whatever, whatever bullshit's popular right now, you know, or whatever production tricks are in, you know, none of, none of that. It's, uh, it's just really good stuff. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm already excited because I know they're already working on more stuff and uh, they've been pretty prolific lately. So I would definitely say if you're a fastball fan, um, be on the lookout because I think we're going to get more stuff sooner than later. But uh, yeah, they seem to be in a good place. They put out, I truly think, one of the best records of their career. The uh, three songs on this, like the one I mentioned, soundtrack, the ones with those uh, with the big star vibe on it. And I know when I talked to Tony, I mean, he definitely said there's they're they're influenced by Big Star, but they're also uh, he kind of pointed out too, like I think a lot of like the UK bands, a lot of like the UK power pop bands are more of what they're focused on. But that's not to say, I mean, Big Star are are one of their influences for sure. But, uh, yeah, I think that song you hear it a lot. Growing, Growing, Gone, which I think might be one of their just best songs in general. And uh, I only remember the good. Just another great no-nonsense power pop song. Really good stuff there. Now let's move on to number seven. It is 3LH with Silver Dream Road. This one came out back in May of 2022. Some of the best and most fun guitar playing I heard all year. I mean, that is everybody's good in this band. I mean, all the, all the musicianship is great, but like, you know, some bands, I feel like the lyrics are what pop out first, you know, some bands, even maybe it's the bass or whatever, but like this, it's guitar. It is the guitar playing. It is, it is absolutely. And I, I wish I had, I, I did not, I did not write down the band, the uh, band members names in front of me. So I do not have them, but I know their singer plays guitar and I know they have a lead guitarist. So, I mean, they, you know, there's two guitar players in the band, but like what they do is just so goddamn good. Like those two just, they, their guitar playing meshes so well. It connects in this great way. Like that's the best. Like people, I've heard people say this and it, it really is true. Like I won't take credit because I don't think I realized it so much until I heard others say it. And then I kind of went back and listened and it's absolutely true. But like, you know, Bob Stinson and Paul Westerberg, like in the replacements, like a lot of times their guitar playing, 
you can't distinguish one from the other. Like, it's just a wall of fucking sound coming at you in the best way. Like, not like a muddy mess of sound, but like that huge replacement sound and that guitar tone, sometimes it's hard to pick apart. That's what, that's what Paul's doing. That's what Bob's doing. It They work together and make this sound. It's the same thing with 3LH. I mean, not even that they sound all that replacement-y, but like... They just they they have this like wall of guitar sound with some great fucking playing. Like again, the leads the leads are so good. Like I I tend to think a lot too of like X. You know X is a band that I think of a lot when I think of Three LH because Three LH has this like definitely kind of like rockabilly kind of punk. Like I mean there's there's many like you can tell they know their shit musically. Like you can tell these dudes know their shit and they listened. To many, you know, their 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 influences are not just like one band or one sound. You know, very much like X. Like, I mean, just well versed music, and the guitar playing reminds me of Billy Zuma that way. Where it's like it's just really, it's really fun playing, and it's like I would almost I would I would believe if they weren't even really like you know punk rock guitar players. But they're really good guitar players playing at faster tempos, almost if that makes sense. So this is the way of Billy Zoom. You know, Billy Zoom's like, you know, a lot of a lot of his leads and stuff. Sometimes they're very punk rock, but like some of that stuff is just straight up like Chuck Berry just played at like fast tempos, you know. And it's like and it works so amazingly. And it's kind of the same with Three LH. Sometimes it's like some of the some of those guitar leads and stuff. I don't even feel like they're like you know really even like in the you know in the vein of punk rock as much as just really good fucking like rock and roll guitar playing at faster tempos but uh yeah i mean that the album just the the energy here you know again with like live bands this is a band i would love to see live and i know they play out a lot i mean they are definitely a live band and the album wastes no time i mean off off the first record or the first song it's just pure energy from like the very first second of the very first song. This is not an album that like overstays its welcome. It's not, you know, the the record is not, you know, an hour and 15 minutes long. It's nothing like that. Never, never gets crazy self-indulgent. It also has this really cool, like vintage throwback sound, but while sounding original, like in some of it too, like they definitely have like a kind of, they don't sound like the misfits per se, but like there's there are songs about like the shining or uh oh psycho and like different things like that. So I mean there's definitely like horror movie references and uh different things like that. And you know, it just it really it really all like comes together and works really well. But uh you know, the live thing again, I would love to see them live. The energy of these songs. I mean, every song has an energy to it where it's just like Christ, like I would love I'd love to just be fucking thrashing back and forth to these songs live, you know, and I don't even know that like, I don't even know that like live they would have like huge, like, I don't even know if it's really like a mosh pit crowd you would get to these songs, but just fucking moving around and having a good time. There's just such an energy to them. You know, it's just really, I don't know. It's one of those things you really got to hear. It's like, it's, it's fun on here explaining them, but like, you know, I, I feel like with anything, it's like, I feel like it's so much better once you hear the song. So I mean, if you've not heard this band and I've, I've played, I've talked about them on the show and I've played them a bunch all year on the radio show, but I mean, just so, so good. I mean, you, but you, you really cannot just throw a label on them. Like there's so many multiple influences in the music and it just, it really shows like you can tell they know, they know their music, they know what they're doing. Like really good stuff. This is my introduction to them, but they've been around for like, I want to say like five or six years, maybe a little longer even. Like I think their first release was like 2017. So like, again, they, they've, they've had some time 
to like work shit out. You know what I mean? They just start yesterday, but like still a fairly young band and already, I mean, just really, they, they seem like the live shows just really well put down. And this album is just so, so good. This is such a fun listen. Like it's, it's such a good record. I can't, I can't recommend it enough. Including if you like, if you can appreciate good guitar playing and you know, you just want to hear some good musicianship, like it's just some good, good fucking music. So uh, my three on here, Psycho, Shadow, and Silver Dream. Those are the three I'm saying off this record that definitely need to be checked out. And moving along to number six, it is Night Crickets with a Free Society coming out in January of last year. They started early. And uh, this record, so, so good. My buddy, uh, Victor DiLorenzo, who, I mean, we've had, that was actually a second time on, was uh, the same month this came out. And, uh, I mean, just so good. I was excited when uh, I heard it was coming out. You know, you you heard uh, Victor DiLorenzo of the Violent Femmes and then David J of Bauhaus and Love and Rockets was uh, doing a band together. And you wonder what that's going to sound like. And then you hear it. And I think the interesting thing is that I don't know that it particularly sounds like what you would expect. Like when you hear those credits, you may think, oh, it's going to sound like the Violent Femmes or oh, it's going to sound like Bauhaus. And in a way, it does sound like those bands, but it doesn't sound. It's one of the weirdest things because I, I I, think when you listen to it, you'll understand it. Like it is Victor DiLorenzo's drumming. It is David J's bass playing, which I mean, both amazing. Like that is a great, great rhythm section because both of them insanely insanely like original and creative like i mean there's really victor di lorenzo like just i mean he, what he does with so little like go listen to the violent femmes and like the shit he'd be doing on just like a snare drum and a cymbal like i mean he he will do crazy things on nothing like that man does not need like an 18 piece drum set like he's so minimally can do the craziest, most cool, rhythmic things on drums. And same with David J, his bass playing. I mean, so, so damn good. And we also got to say, I mean, Darwin Miners, who's also in the band with them. I mean, you know, I, I know a lot of attention goes on, uh, you know, Victor and David just because, I mean, they're from, like, I mean, talk about, like, 80s alternative indie rock, college rock powerhouses. I mean, absolutely. But, I mean, Darwin who rounds out the uh, trio, I mean, the three of them put together the most original-sounding album of 2022. I mean, this is, you know, if I was talking about 3LH and how they have all, you know, it's hard to, like, put just one genre on them, I I don't even know the genre you put on Night Crickets. Like, they, they more than any band on here, like, they're, you know, I've said it a couple times with a few of these bands, like, again, hard to put just one label on them because maybe they're too indie rock to just call punk or they're too punk to be just indie rock, this and that. Night Crickets doesn't even fall in like a punk category or an indie rock. Like I just alternative might be the word. Like I don't know. The Night Crickets created the Night Crickets sound like the Night Crickets. Like that's all I can say about this record. There's nothing you can compare it to in the best way possible. Like I love this record. No two songs sound the same. That's the other thing about it. You don't you don't have time to put like a label on them because they're already on to the next sound by the next song. Like when you think you have their sound figured out, fuck you, dude, we're on to the next one. And it sounds nothing like the last song. But with that said, these songs go together so unbelievably well. This album so well sequenced. It feels like an album. No two songs sound the same, but it feels like a, an idea, you know, a full idea doesn't sound like a collection of songs it sounds like a full record like it is it is I think as musicians I think that's like one of the biggest compliments you could pay 
any musician that they could they could write something that sounds only like them that you can compare to nothing else and that not only not none of their songs sound the same but they all work together amazingly like it's it's truly it's so cool to witness too because I know that this was supposed to just be a project like it's kind of a one-off project I don't think the band has played one live show since forming like they they hardly they recorded this all basically separately. I mean, you can go back too when I when I talked to Victor DiLorenzo uh, early last year. I mean, we were talking about it, and I mean, you know, it's been over a year now, so the the details are a little fuzzy in my mind. I've, I've interviewed many since then, but um, I believe he said like at that point they really like it was basically back and forth, you know, online and not a lot of in in person and stuff. And it just, and on top of that, you got to give them credit because a lot of times you do that, that can crash and burn. You know, that a lot of times projects don't work that way. In a lot of ways, this project probably shouldn't have worked. It worked so amazingly. They're already like they're working on new music. Like they've done, they did a new music video for or their first music video, I believe, for uh, a free society not too long ago, like like the last couple months. And they've been working on music and stuff. Like this went from like being like a project, like kind of a just a one-off fun project, to now it's becoming something. I think because this record was so good. I mean, I think the three of them went in not knowing what it was going to sound like. And it became amazing. And again, like this album is extremely experimental and it takes chances, but never becomes just a bunch of noise or unlistenable. Like, I mean, let's be honest, you know, if you get too experimental or take too many chances on a record, that's not always a good thing. They do it on here and get experimental, but I think that's the name of the game too. Like the experimenting so good. Cause you, cause that's what they're doing. Like, like when you turn it on and you start realizing no two songs sound the same and all that, like you start realizing like, you realize what the night crickets are about. And I think that's part of it. You know, it's part of the course is like, Oh yeah, they're going to experiment. They're not, this is not going to be a straightforward song. Like there's going to be something that comes out of this that I did not see, you know, like not at all. And, uh, and also the other cool thing, you know, January is a time where not a lot of new music's coming out. Like for early, early, I can tell you right now, I mean, getting guests around, like there's not tons. It is, it is not like, you know, there's certain months and stuff where, I mean, finding people who just release music to like interview, like not hard. You throw a stone and you'll find 50 people who just released, you know, a punk rock record that I can uh, interview. But like, you know, right, right now, you know, it's pretty quiet on the new music front. And this was just great. Like, I mean, it's just hit you. I mean, same with the dirty nail with fuck art the year before. I mean, starting on January 1st, I mean, it's like just, you know, you, you, you're in a month where like there's almost no new music and the dirty nil just dropped the greatest album of 2020, which I, w- I got to stand by that. That one is still my favorite of 2021 because sometimes my opinions change like I mean I could definitely look back at some of my top tens over the years and go well I would move this here I would take this off entirely but the dirty nil fuck art shout out the dirty nil that album still rules but anyway going back to night crickets I know (laughs) I'm getting sidetracked talking about the best albums of 2021 but uh yeah a free society I mean this this whole this whole record like just it it's really I mean it also just shows that I mean these these are like these are musical veterans. These are guys who know what they're doing. Cause this is a band. This is their first record. They really didn't even know each other all that well. Like I was surprised because when I interviewed uh, Victor, I assumed that him and David J go way back. Like you would think that like Bauhaus or love and rockets would have toured with the violent femmes at some point, but no Victor uh, met him. I believe during Coachella in uh, 2013 where the violent femmes reunited to play Coachella in 2013. And like that, I mean, so like, 10 years prior, like not even he, they, you know, they, they met like 10 years prior and then, uh, did night crickets after kind of talking about it. But I mean, they aren't like, you know, 
lifelong friends. You know, I think they kind of know each other. Some like Darwin, Darwin and David know each other much better. I do believe Darwin is like David's uh, manager or something. Like he were he works with them. So I mean, they they obviously know each other a little better. But like still, for the three of them to jump into this project and just again, kind of just for a for the fuck of it, just for the fun of it. I mean, there really wasn't. You know, you talk to any of them, they didn't have these huge visions with this band. I mean, they were just doing it for fun because they love music. And you listen to this and you'd think they've been working on music together for years. Like you would think that this is like, you know, you would think this record is not their first album. You would think this is like a band who's like been working on this sound for like 10 years. And that's not the case, you know, not at all. But, you know, it really, it showcases again, these are, these are just amazing musicians. And it, it really does show like, it reminds you why Victor DiLorenzo is such a great percussionist, you know, with minimal setups. Again, it's like you listen and it's like the fucking stuff that he's doing on a snare drum like with some brushes, like, I mean, it's just really like he puts so many drummers to shame when you look at what he's doing, like the minimalism, but like playing things that aren't also that easy, like minimum, you know, minimalist setup, but playing things that are kind of complex and, you know, are kind of weird and different. And he does change them up. You know, he's not just playing some straight, you know, four on the floor beat or something like he's really, he's doing his thing. And it sounds amazing. Like, I, I love it. So, like, again, I can't wait to hear what the uh, sophomore record's going to sound like. I uh, Hopefully they play some live shows. They really, I, unless I'm mistaken, they've not played anything since uh, forming. And I don't think that was ever really a plan because, again, it was just kind of a project. But, uh, you know, hopefully this means that at some point we get some live shows from them. That would be great. And uh, my three for this one, Black Leather on the inside, the album opener, Roma A. Clef. I absolutely love That's my favorite song on the record, Hundred percent, and little did I, which probably has the best uh, rhythm to it. That song is so. That one almost the beginning reminds me of like the band War. It has this really just great like, oh, it's so good. It just has this great sound to it. Just this great like just rhythm. I I love it. That whole album is really really good. Like again, like if you want something that, if you want something that sounds nothing like like any other band, but is also sounds good. Because look at. People can sound different for the sake of sounding different, and it can sound like fucking dog shit. Like, there's so much quote-unquote experimental stuff that you never want to fucking ever listen to again. It's so bad. But, like, this band, just like, actually, also shout out 1913, which is Victor's other uh, band, which is his duo with Janet Schiff, who I uh, who I interviewed. That's who I interviewed, actually, when I had him on. It was him and Janet. So uh, we were talking to new 1913 and put out a record last year. They put out a uh, great song, and drum drums and cello forever, and uh, that band is another one, though, too, where those two experiment and do things that probably shouldn't work, but they work amazingly. Like, I mean, Victor is honestly a person who can do avant-garde thing. Maybe that's the word. I don't even know if avant-garde is the word for it. But, like, can get experimental, can get weird, can, like, play with things and improv things, but it sounds so good. And so many times people do that, it is not my thing. It is. It can be too self-indulgent. It can get too out there. It can just become noise. Not the case with him. He knows how to reel it in just right. Like, he knows how to get weird without getting too weird. You know what I mean? Or getting weird without just without just for the sake of getting weird. You know what I mean? Like, he, like doing it for a reason. But I can't say enough good stuff about uh, about that record. Or Victor. He, he rules. And I also can't believe that the first Violent Femmes record turns 40 this year. That was insane. Maybe I'll have to see if he would like to come back 
and do a uh, we we did a Why Do Birds Sing when that turned thirty two years ago. Maybe we'll come back and talk about one of the greatest debut records of all time turning forty. That would be pretty sick. But let's keep moving on. I know we uh, we're like forty minutes in here and only halfway through, so let's keep moving. Joyce Manor at number five with forty ounces of Fresno. This one came out in June. I mean, I Joyce Manor really really have yet to make a bad record. There's really not a Joyce Manor record I don't like. I mean, I kind of. It seemed like a gimme from the get-go. Like Even before hearing a song off of it, I expected I would like this record, and it, it, they exactly did. They delivered. I mean, it's a, it's a Joyce Manor record. It's short. It's quirky, like you expect from them. I mean, the longest song on the record is the album opener, and it's a cover of an 80s song. That itself is Joyce Manor-like. You know, the first, the first song on your record is a cover of a fucking 80s song, and it's like three minutes and something seconds. And none of the other songs, you know, all the other songs are like a minute and a half and stuff. I mean, this whole record is something like 17 minutes altogether. I mean, it, it is it is truly in Joyce Manor fashion. I mean, you know, you talk about a band. I keep talking about these bands finding your sound or your niche or, you know, just, just what you do really well. And, I mean, this is very much Joyce Manor. I mean, it, it, it's Joyce Manor all the way, you know. I, I don't feel like they take any, like, crazy new chances on this one. But at the same time, I think their songs like Gotta Let It Go is a good example where I think it is a direct, it, it's a step in a new direction for them in a good way. Like, I don't think it's anything crazy, you know, but it is kind of more anthemic sounding. Like, that song in particular, not, I wouldn't say the whole record, but like, you know, a couple times where maybe they get a little more anthemic sounding than they normally would, maybe bigger guitars and stuff. Like, you know, there, there, there are some different things on here. It's definitely not a rehash of the last record or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, it's not, it's not the record where Joyce Manor starts getting really, uh, you know, really experimental on things. That is not what they're – and I don't think they ever are either. I mean, they're a band – it's funny because I still feel like they're a newer band and they're far from. I mean, they've been a band for like 15 years now. I mean, like they were a newer band when I was in college. I haven't been in fucking college now in like six years, <laughs> six or seven years, I think. I can't even do the math. And not even then. I'm I'm thinking like early into early. I'm talking not even into college. I'm talking me into like year one or two of college in like 2011. Still thinking of them as the new band. So like as as you can tell, what I'm saying is they've been around for a while. I think they know what they. Uh, I I think they know what they do well, and uh, you know they go for it. You know again, like I think this far into their career, I don't feel like Joyce Manor is ever going to be the band who like you know, all of a sudden hits you with a totally weird, I feel like Cody was the biggest like jump to like a more mature sound. But even that I don't think was like the shocking change or anything from uh, never hung over again, you know, but this album, like a lot of Joyce Manor too. I mean, it's good summertime record. Now, funny enough, Cody is one of the best fall records. I know I just mentioned that, but a lot of their records, I would put more in the summertime category. And just one of those ones were like, you know, it came out in June and like on a nice day, either, you know, out walking and shit or just driving around with the windows down. It's perfect for that. You know, I, I definitely I, I think it I think they uh, it's just kind of the sound. You know what I mean? They're they're a California band and it kind of has that sound you tend to get from bands who live in that uh in that area. I've kind of talked about it before, but just like, you know, I think your surroundings, how it influences it. You know, I think. I think a little of that sunshiny shit has to kind of, you know, I, I think if you live in an area like that, it has to kind of come out a little. Just like if you live in like, you know, say Chicago, I feel like some of that comes out in your music, living in like the Midwest and the snow and stuff. You know, I definitely think your surroundings influence your music, whether you uh, realize it or not, you know. 
But uh, I also feel like, too, you know, I talk about how the band, you know, it sounds like a pretty quintessential or like, you know, your standard like Joyce Manor record, not in a bad way. I also think it's not a bad record to introduce someone to the band with. Like if they didn't, if someone didn't know Joyce Manor and there was you were going to like turn a record on, probably not the worst one. I mean, again, it clocks in at like 17 minutes. So it's like it's easy to digest, you know, the songs don't overstay their welcome, but they're still good and quirky and fun. And it's like, you know, I, I think right away you would, uh, you know, at least if they're into it, I guess they could listen to it and go, I'm not into that. But like, you know, pretty quick, I think, I think they'd know if they'd like it, but not a bad introduction to the band. If, uh, even for yourself, if you've somehow slept on Joyce Manor all this time, not a bad one to, uh, you know, kind of go check out. But yeah, definitely was excited for New Joyce Manor, and they delivered. My three on there would be NBTSA, Don't Try, and Gotta Let It Go. Those are all uh, those are all great songs, but nothing on there is really too bad. The only one I, I got to say, the only song that I really don't like is You're Not Famous Anymore. I don't know why. I don't think that song is very good. Every other song I love on it. For some reason, I skip that song like every time. I, I can't tell you why either. Really don't know why. But something about it, just not into it. But anyway, let's keep moving on. Coming in at number four, released in May of last year. And uh, my fourth favorite record, my favorite interview of last year. I actually, as I'm looking at this list, and I realized earlier too, but like, goddamn, I actually got to interview a lot of people on my top ten list, which is really fucking cool. Because, And that, that is not... That is definitely like totally a coincidence. Like it's not like I'm only just picking people around my show. Go, well, this guy's on my show. So this is my favorite record. But anyway, John Doe, Fables in a Foreign Land. I mean, so so good. But you know, again, I, I can't talk about this without talking about John Doe for a second. I mean that that was an honor getting to interview him for this because also I love this record. So not only getting to interview a musical hero of mine, but to get to interview him on a record that I genuinely loved was just so, so cool. Like just listen to this. I had a million questions, you know, like as I, you know, you like a record. Like I was not, I was not itching. Like I wasn't, I wasn't trying to figure out for hours. what I was going to ask him. I was listening to the record going, Oh man, I should ask him this and that, like just taking it all in, loving it. This record is just it's so good and it's more folky than a lot of his solo work. You know, I feel like, I feel like you would, you can hear some folk influence for sure in John Doe's music. I mean, I don't think that's totally crazy, but like, this is definitely much more on the nose folk than, uh, I would say most, most, uh, you know, of his solo output, but it, it works perfectly. I mean, it just, it, it really, it just, it's his, it's John Doe. He's a master songwriter. Like, he could write. I truly believe that man could write in any genre. He could take on any kind of project. It would be good because it's John Doe doing it. There's just certain musicians who, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, he gets associated with like punk and, you know, maybe a little like you know, throwing like rockabilly, some Americana and stuff. And, uh, you know, but punk obviously being the main one. But like, you know, I feel like John Doe could do anything and it would be good. You know, I really don't know that he would be bad at, uh, at, at anything. And I also think the other thing, too, I think it's just so cool is like, you know, artists can be unfairly written off later in their career. I mean, John Doe is like 69, pushing 70. Like he, uh, you know, he, he's up there, you know, he's been at it for a very long time. And like, you know, some artists as, as you go, I mean, you know, you can fall on that legacy. And it's like, you know, people love you for those albums you put out so many years ago, but maybe the later stuff, you know, now they're not as into what you're doing. Not the, not the case with John Doe. I can't say that at all. I mean, he's putting out between this and the last X record. I mean, he's putting out some of the best, the best music 
of his career. Like the man is going into his seventies and he's writing some of the best music he's written in his, in his entire career. Like, and his voice too, his voice is, is, you know, that's another one. I mean, as you go on, you know, with age, I mean, your voice can go, his voice, I think is stronger than ever. His voice sounds so good. Like he just, it's like for one, he can, he can totally still do the old X songs, but like, I think his voice has also just gotten stronger. He's almost like, you know, a crooner, a crooner in a certain way. I don't know crooner in a, in a traditional sense, but he croons, I feel like more than John Doe used to. And it works so goddamn good. Like, but it's also just soul. The man has soul in his voice. He really, he truly does. Like just such a, such a great voice. Just so powerful. Like you listen and you always go like, it's just not bullshit. Like it's always genuine. Like whatever line he's delivering, whatever he's singing about, you believe it, you know, even on this record where like, you know, some of them are like kind of dark folky, like, you know, just songs like, you know, kind of like dark stories like you do in folk music. And I mean, destroying angels being one of them where, you know, great, great. Uh, I mean, that's probably my favorite song on the record. And, uh, you know, just telling a really dark story and it's fictional, but like delivering it in such a way where it's like, you know, you'd almost believe the story's real, you know, which again, not, not every artist can do that or convey that. And John Doe does it like nothing. It's, it's nothing to him. I mean, he's been doing it forever. He, he you know, it's, it's, it's un, it's not like this is the first record you go, wow, I never realized John Doe could write a song. But, uh, I also got to say, I mean, still one of, one of the best I think he's ever put out, including his solo stuff. I truly think Fables in a Foreign Land is one of my favorite, uh, solo John Doe records. It is, uh, it is really great. I, I think what was cool too is like, cause he, he by no means needs to collaborate with people. The man can obviously write a song. But this was like his most collaborative record. When I interviewed him, he was talking about how, like, in the way where he would, you know, obviously with, like, X and stuff, you know, you're, like, writing with Xene and the rest of the band and stuff. But, like, you know, like, Destroying Angels being, like, the best example. I had the best song on the record, and he co-wrote that with Shirley Manson of Garbage and Xene from X. And it just, it what came out I thought was amazing. So that collaborative, you know, sometimes, it's funny, a lot of times I hear musicians who collaborate, I'm like, ah, a lot of times it'd be disastrous because I feel like if you can write yourself, like it'll be artists who already know how to write a good song. Rivers Cuomo comes to mind. Why why he ever needed, you know, to collaborate and have co-writers and stuff, never understood it. You know what I mean? Like never, didn't have it on the blue record, you know, didn't have it on the blue album, didn't have it on Pinkerton, didn't have, you know, all these people writing songs with him, but then like later on, on the, you know, on the weaker stuff, he has like all, you know, a million different people writing a fucking Weezer song with him. It's like, dude, I think you know how to write a, a Weezer song. I don't think you need all these people. So it's one of those things where like, I mean, obviously John Doe doesn't need to collaborate with people, but like it worked so well on here. Like the stuff, like the stuff he would work on with people, it just, it did, it, it works so amazingly well that I kind of want to see him do more of it. You know, it's funny because again, a lot of times I'm anti that, you know what I mean? Collaborating, at least in that sense, on a whole, you know, on one song is one thing, but on a record, when you collaborate as much as he did on this, a lot of times I'd be weary of it, but no, it worked, it worked absolutely amazingly. I also think some of these songs I would love to hear, Destroying Angels, I know I keep bringing it up, but I would love to hear that done by X. I would love to hear them do that as a, uh, as a full band song. I, I think that would sound that would sound uh, just so so good. I also it, the the album even though it is a solo album, it, it was done with the uh, John Doe folk trio, and uh, he plays in that band with Kevin and Conrad, and they the three of them, I mean it just works so well together. 
I mean, that that trio just like they need to write more records. This is this is their first record that they uh, put out together. I mean, they've been playing together for a couple years now, and they've played a bunch live. You know, they do a lot of live stuff, but I mean, on record, they need to play more. Like the three of them definitely need to write more music and play together because that just they're all you know John Doe, amazing musician. But I mean, I also got to give props to both of them. I mean, for being really really good musicians as well. And uh, yeah, that that whole record. I love it to death. I've listened to it nonstop since it came out. That's one of those albums I really sub records. I'll listen to for a long time. Then, you know, you kind of, you listen to other things for a few months and maybe get back to it, but that one's kind of been on, you know, nonstop since the uh, record came out. And uh, the three on there, I mean, no surprise, destroying angels, uh, down South, another really, really good one. And the album opener never coming back. Another one. I think I would like to hear X do. I think that one could be it would be it would be cool to uh, hear it reworked into more of like a fast punk song. I think it would be really really cool. But let's move on down to the top three now. Let's do it. Number three, it is the Stereo with thirteen. This one came out back in May. You know when bands when bands try to write an album or when they write an album, I should say. And kind of call it like a spiritual sequel or, you know, you kind of compare it to like, you know, your your older, like, you know, your more popular record or something. You know, you can kind of go in a little cautious or cynical, like, all right, all right, like, what's that? What's that mean? But when the stereo were talking about how 13 was kind of like a, you know, kind of a kind of a spiritual follow up or whatever to uh, to 300. I mean, they weren't lying. This truly it truly sounds like a follow-up to that record. And it also sounds like the band never stopped. I mean, it's a, it sounds like a great follow-up to a record that has also been out for 20-plus years. So, I mean, to not play together for decades and then, you know, to go in and write a record like that and to be able to pull it off, I mean, absolutely amazing. I mean, that, that that's insane, honestly. Like, there's, there's so many ways where this album could have not worked. You know, it really, there's chances where this doesn't work when you go back in the studio with the two of you who, you know, I mean, the stereo, we've talked about a million times on here, but, you know, they were a band till like 2004, but Rory was out of the band after the first record. So, I mean, you know, Rory was out long, you know, he wasn't in the band for their whole, you know, lifespan. So this lineup with uh, the two of them, I mean, the two, you know, songwriters and the ones on the classic stereo record, you know, I mean, they came back and it just, it's it's like they never stopped. I mean, it's it's honestly one of those things where you could have you could have fooled someone and been like, yeah, they've been they've been writing albums together forever. Like the stereo never broke up. Because even though it also sounds like a follow up to three hundred, it also sounds fresh. Like it sounds like a band because they did take chances. They took chances on this record that worked so so well. Like things on here you never would have heard them do on three hundred. That or really on even the ones without Rory, even post Rory stereo albums. I mean, I think there's there's things they did on this one you never would have heard on those, and it did so so well. They know the band, the band took new chances, but also you know I mean again with like knowing when to reel it in and know what you're doing. I mean they they figured it out to write to like how much you can do without you know with still staying like quintessential stereo. You know it still sounds like the stereo. But it's also like, you know, it, it does, it is a more mature, you know, grown up version. Not, not that the, you know, not that the first record was immature or anything like that, but like it still has that stereo charm. But it's like, you know, yeah, these dudes are, you know, they're like in their 40s now, you know, I believe both of them. I know Jamie has kids. I think Rory has kids. And, uh, you know, the rest of the band, I think they got kids and stuff. So like, you know, parents and, you know, a little older and stuff, but like, 
it's still the fucking stereo. And my God, is it so good. I mean, Jamie and Rory, you know, just again, you got to focus on that is they, they just work together in this way of like, they work as good together as they did in 1999. And also in a way where you're like, how were they not writing this entire time? Like how was, how was Rory, Rory and Jamie not putting records out for the last two decades? Like, like the world has been deprived of something when you listen to this. I mean, when you go like, how is this only album number two technically with both of them on it? It's just insane. But uh, you also, I mean, on the production side, Jamie, Jamie produced this one. And I mean, Jamie's an amazing producer to begin with. I mean, that that's no secret. But I mean, this record sounds so, so huge. It's, it's one of those things too. I talk about it all the time. I don't love when bands self-produce and record their own records. I don't, I don't always think that's a great thing to have a band member in the producer seat. I just don't think it works. Not with this. Jamie Wolford knows what the hell he's doing, and I would strongly suggest they continue to self-producing. Like, so I, I can't I, – that is such a big compliment coming from me because I really am anti – I'm like, I think you need that outside source. I think you need a producer in there. I think you need someone besides, like, you know, whatever member of the band telling the rest of the band, no, you need to do this or that. You know, like I, I just don't think self-producing a lot of times is the way to go. But on this one, no, like in-house, it works. Like the the four of them is all they need. It's a very self-sufficient machine that uh, I, I I think works. I mean, it, it's it's just so good. I mean, it's a after first listen, an instant classic. I mean, when they put out the first song, uh, "Kings of No Hope," I mean, it was it was just you could tell, you could tell right away. It's like, okay, no, this is going to be good. There's no. There, whatever worries you might have that they're not going to deliver on a new stereo record, you know, and any any worries you have when it's like, man, you know, it's this cool old band that I love that I wish would release new music, but also I wish they would have released it, you know, two decades earlier, you know, not the case here. Because this is another one, like, again, came out amazing, could have came out bad. Like, it really, they hadn't written, you know, they, they've played together since 2011. I mean, this lineup of the stereo since that Fueled by Ramen show they got back together. I mean, they played on and off, but, I mean, they've played a handful of shows in that, like, decade. Like, I mean, it's not like they're playing daily or even yearly. They've went years without playing shows in there, you know. So, I mean, definitely not, like, a thing where they're, like, you know, honing their craft every day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this could have came out and been like, oh, man, you know, I, I wish they would have just not, you know, I wish they would have just stuck to playing some live shows, playing some songs off 300 and just letting it be. But, no, this came out, I'm like, holy shit, like, I, I need this band to tour. I need a follow-up to 13. Like, we we need them to do a lot more. It's just, it, it works so well. Every Everything about this, it sounds rejuvenated. And it does. I mean, again, like this, it, it sounds like a band with more gas in the tank instead of like a band who got back together to kind of put out a half-hearted follow-up years after the fact. Like this sounds, it, it sounds like classic stereo, but also feels like a fresh young band who's like ready to go do it, which I mean, and you know, I mean, they're kind of taking things slow. You know, they really, I don't think they've even played a live show since the album came out. You know, I, I, I think they'd like to play shows, but I don't think it's a huge, I don't, I don't think there's any, there was a time in this band's career where I'm sure if you asked them, they were trying to be like the next big thing or, you know, hit it big with the band. That's not their thing anymore. You know, I, I think they're in a great place. They're putting out some of the best music, but I also don't think they're like, oh man, we're going to like try to dominate rock radio or try to play arenas. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think that's like what they're trying to do. I don't think that's the plan, 
But I do think the plan is to write more great music, and I, I am all about that because this record just came out so good. My third favorite of 2022. And uh, on there, the three songs, I'd say Kings of No Hope, My Ready Arms, and Seek and Find. Seek and Find is a great example of that where experimental doesn't sound any – sounds more Counting Crows than it does the stereo, but is one of the best songs on the record and works amazingly. So, yeah, I, I love that record. Really, really good one. Let's keep going. Number two, we got No Win with Dodgers Stadium. That one came out back in August. I mean, such a great record. This is another one where the band put out an EP earlier in the year, Enhanced CD EP. Still one of the greatest. Na- I mean, ever the aesthetic is important here. Like if you've if you've not seen the cover of No Win's Dodgers Stadium or their Enhanced CD EP, and you haven't heard the songs or the music videos and stuff. There's an aesthetic to it. I mean, this this whole thing is this album, not, not even the band in particular, because this is their second record, and the first record's nothing like this, but like it is kind of a love letter to the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, in so many ways. And that's what they were going for. And they did it so, so well. I mean, it it I, I, even if you weren't around during that time, I think you'll still like this record. But if you were like coming of age, between like you know or even if you weren't you know if you remember though like being on the internet and shit like between the years 1998 to like 2002 like there's shit on this record that you will appreciate on another level I mean like on, on another level than I think uh others will but it's just it it's so good like I I think one of the coolest things about this too is this is their second record and I loved their first one. I mean, I I heard them on Downey. Their first album came out in 2019. I've been a fan since it came out, but like this band was never a band that I thought was going to put out like my second favorite record of this year. I mean, you know, that, that album was good. It was some solid indie rock and stuff. And, you know, I played them on the radio show. I always enjoyed it. But then when they put out that enhanced CD EP earlier this year and listening to it, I mean, it blew me away. It sounded nothing, nothing like I was expecting it to. I mean, they totally, they still, they still have elements of that first record and like the, you know, the good indie rock stuff that made me like no one to begin with. But I mean, they, they totally experimented and went with, experimented in a way, but also I think knew what they wanted. Because again, with the aesthetic and like everything going into this, I mean, you can tell they knew what they were doing. Like it is a fully realized idea that I think was executed amazingly. Like every, like it wasn't like the music was good, but the aesthetic was half-assed or the other way around where the aesthetic was really good, but the music's not good. Like everything about it just works all together in just such a special, beautiful way that doesn't always. But I mean, the band really did. They went in and I mean, I give them so much credit. They didn't, they didn't try to just go, well, let's keep doing what we did on the first record. Like, they totally went in, took chances, totally, you know, they kind of kept that indie rock foundation, but besides that, rewrote the whole thing. And I mean, I, I think I think the chances they took totally paid off. It's it's just such a fun ode to like the late nineties, early two thousands, but also without like being a parody or really cheesy. Like it's kind of cause really like nostalgia is such a big thing. Like, I mean, they're even far from the first band to like you know, do something that kind of celebrates that era. But like they do it in such a way where like, again, like the music is still good. It's not some shitty nostalgia trip. Like every, everything just works so well and comes off sincere too. Like it's nostalgic and modern all at once. And just, it, it works. And also has like, it does, it does have this, like, I I think mainstream appeal to it. Like, you know, there, there's some albums even on this list where I go, I love them. But I realize 
maybe it's not something you're going to hear on mainstream radio or something like, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, it maybe you'll hear it on college radio and something like, you know, my show or something on like public radio or something, but like, you know, commercial radio is not really going to touch it. Whereas like this, I could hear these songs. Like I could hear some of this stuff on like, you know, alternative radio, maybe even peeking its head into, you know, like top 40 radio and stuff. Like it, it's really like just, really well like there's times where it goes into like pop territory in like the bet but like really good though like and just songs that are catchy you'll just stay in your head forever which again is what they were going for and they absolutely did it I mean this is some some of the catchiest songs you'll hear all year I think are on this record and I mean I, I think too like lyrically they're cut and dry pretty lyrics that anyone can relate to I mean it has that appeal like honestly like a broad appeal to it musically and lyrically where it's like I, I think this is an album I could put on for someone who gets in the car who doesn't who maybe doesn't generally like the things I listen to, but like I don't know, maybe just even likes just shit on the radio. I feel like I could throw this on and they would like it. Like someone who would get in the car with me and normally not like shit I'd play, this is something they would like. I truly think so. Like I, I it has a broad appeal to it in the best way. And, uh, you know, and also funny enough too, like as a modern sound, but some of these songs you also could hear on the radio, like circa 2001, which I just, it is so cool to me. I, I think everything about it just works. Cause this whole, again, it could have blown up in their fucking face. They could have made a terrible follow up. I would have been like, you know, could have just been something like, well, that band put out one good record in 2019. And they're like, I don't know what they're doing on this one, but like, forget it. But not at all. I mean, I, I fell I like fell in love with this man on a new level. You know, I mean, I was a fan of them for a couple of years. They were great, whatever. But, you know, even admittedly, I mean, they weren't like my all time favorite band. But, uh, I mean, after this came out, I've just been listening to it nonstop. The three on this hit the line surfing and the hit. But really, there's not a bad song on that record. That whole goddamn thing is good. Let's get to number one. Here we are. It is time for it. And to be honest, if you've been listening to the show at all this year, I've probably brought up that uh, it, it probably was going to be number one, just like with the Dirty Nil with Fuck Art coming out on January 1st. It was like, I mean, you know, from from literally day one of the year, I'm like, I think it's going to be my favorite record. And uh, my favorite record of this one, and I've thought it since the beginning of the year, I thought, damn, this might be my favorite. Reminders, Best of Beach Punk, my favorite record of 2022. That album, and it came out in April, but I got a uh, I got a stream of it early. Like I I'd not heard of the band. They're from the UK. I got an email in like January. It was early in the year. I remember it was like probably like January, and uh, you know I don't know. Checked it out. I mean it was just honestly a couple. It's it's funny because like again it can be hit or miss. Like the Eves being one of them. I think from the same PR firm too. Who you know I mean sometimes they'll send me you know emails of like press releases of new bands and like totally nothing I would ever listen to or play on the show. And then other times you'll get that. And it's like, Oh my God, like, what is this? And I mean, I got hit with a couple things this year and reminders was like the first one of the year to really hit me. And I mean, it just had lasting power. This record, pure fun record. It, it throws you. I don't care what time of year you're listening to this. I mean, again, I, I was introduced to this like January of, of last year. It was fucking summertime, baby. It was, it was summertime. The second I, I put this record on, like, I don't care. It, it could be cold as fuck. And I'd be out going for a late night walk or it could be driving through the snow somewhere. Doesn't matter. All melted. And it was July 
and you were, you know, like driving on the West Coast, you know, you were like looking out on the ocean, you know, you're hanging out with friends on the beach. Like it, it really best of beach punk is such a great title. It is talk about a fitting title for a record too. It just, it works with it all the way through. I mean, this album is just a no nonsense pop punk album. It reminds you, it honestly like reminds you why you love the genre to begin with. Like, you know, pop punk is one of my favorite genres. And it's funny because, like, I mean, I feel like I cover a broad spectrum of, like, I always just say punk and alternative on this show, but, like, I go many different places. And I realize it's not lost on me that, like, someone who might enjoy my interview with, say, John Doe of X or Tony Scalzo Fastball, you know, may not like the other side of, like, you know, maybe they're not fans of, like, you know, early 2000s pop punk and emo you know, but like at the end of the day, I love both those worlds. Like I listen to Blink-182 and I listen to Replacements. Like I think Enema of the State is a great record. I think Let It Be is a great record. Like I think both of those things are masterpieces. You know what I mean? Like they're, you know, I, I'm just of that, of that nature where like, you know, I, I like what I like. And, uh, you know, pop punk is a, is a genre that I love quite a bit, but like at the end of the day, there's so much of it sounds a lot alike. It, ne- you know, there's stuff I like, but it never hits my top ten. I mean, I think if you look at my top ten on here, you know, very few are just, if any, are just straightforward like pop punk bands. Reminders, really. I mean, there's other things going on here, but you know, just a great punk pop punk band who like they know what they're doing. They know the good. Sh- I mean, they like the good stuff. They 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 love the good bands and also same with that though I know they like the replacements and shit. Like they like the they they like things outside of pop punk but like they they just really like it, it's fun no nonsense pop punk but without being just a rehash of everything else, you know? Like there's just so when I hear when I when I hear that label on an album or something or I or I hear that label on a band, you know, it's not always a great thing. You might go in and go, "Well, this sounds like 10,000 other bands." Not the not the case with reminders. They put out this just great like pop punk band should be listening to them and going, This is what you should be doing. Like this band has the songs are catchy, but they're still substance. Like they're simple, they're catchy, but they're still substance, you know? I mean it, it's still like a good song. It's not just pointless, mindless, like poppy shit, but it is it is catchy, you know? It is catchy. Like I don't know that I even want to say poppy. But, like, it is catchy stuff. It is really good. It'll get stuck in your head forever, you know? It's just – and it's a quick, perfect – it's 10 songs. It, it It's it's just – it's under 30 minutes. It never goes anywhere crazy. You know, there's, there's a nice couple of times where they get a little acoustic on you. But, like, that's the craziest thing. And it's great. And it's, and it's all good and works together. And, you know, just not an album where it's like, well – it's really good for the first like six songs and it peters off for four songs and comes back later. It's like, no, it, 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 like, and 10 songs too. Sometimes I like an album, 10 songs. Sometimes I think it, it's too, it's not enough for an album. This is perfect to 10 songs. I think this album is perfect with 10. I don't think it needed any more, or any less. This is good right where it's at. And I mean, same with that, like you put this album on and like, I mean, if you're driving somewhere that takes, you know, I mean, I'm, just if you just got to drive for like 20 something minutes, you'll hear the whole album. I mean, you don't need to go for a wild ride to hear the entire thing. I mean, you can pop this on. And I, I feel like I say that as an example, because I listen to this while driving a lot. It's just a good, it's a good driving record. Cause again, no matter what time of year, if it's summertime, it's a good record. And if it's not summertime, it's a good record. Cause it will, it will transport you uh, there, but it just, it really like the album sounds focused in that. I think the band knew what they wanted with it. And they got, they successfully did it. Like 
I think they knew they wanted a fun punk rock record with you know loud distorted guitars, some great bass lines, some really really good bass lines on here that are more like more like a Scott Shiflet or even like uh, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, Nate, Nate from uh, Banner Pilot and from like Off of Their Heads or Mike Durnt too. You know Green Day and stuff like you know or even Dan Andriano like those those like pop punk bass players who don't just play straight up just root notes. You know, they're not just playing, you know, root note, just all eighth notes, you know, just root notes. It's they, they're really like some of the driving forces of these songs are in the bass lines, which is really cool. Cause again, you don't always get that in pop punk. Sometimes you get the most uninspired bass playing you've ever heard, but I think the bass playing is some of the best stuff on here, but the guitar is really great too. Like I think the guitar on here is awesome. It's like, it's not, it's not solo-y, it's not crazy intricate guitar, but it just works so well with the music. Like it's not overindulgent, it's nothing crazy, but it just sounds perfect. You know, like I think like again again, um my actually it is. It's my favorite song on the record. And uh, you know, like the guitar, like I, I taught myself how to play it, and it's not anything like crazy, but it's so fun to play and it just works so well with it. Like it's just it's great pop punk guitar. Like it's just it works so perfectly for what the band is doing. Like I, I just, I think it does so, so well. And uh, yeah, I mean, this, this is another band too, where like, I think on the mainstream scale, I think they have, they have appeal that like, you know, you could hear this on the radio. You could hear the songs on this album on the radio. You could, you know, they, they have that, like, you know, like that side of that side where like, you know I mean? With like, with a band like Blink or something where it's like, you know, even if someone who's not a big pop punk fan, but they like, like the Blink 182s or any of the kind of like, you know, kind of bigger pop punk bands and, or the green days or, you know, whatever, you know, they like the big names, but they don't know much else. They'll, I think they'll hear reminders and love it. But I also think you, you can also be, you know, huge, you know, big old punker and know your shit and still really, really like this album. I mean, it, it's been nonstop. This is another one that never really, I, I never really stopped listening to this one. This one has been listened to from me from the beginning of the year. And it killed me too. Cause again, I, I, I discovered it before it came out and you can't play it on the radio. You like, I wanted to play that album. You know, I wanted to play those songs on the radio for so fucking long. And I couldn't, you know, like, it's like, I got to enjoy this record, but I couldn't share it. And it's like, that's one of the best things to do on the radio shows. You know, I mean, talking about all these great albums of last year, it's like, you know, when I hear these albums, it's like, fuck, I can't wait to play them for people and, you know, talk about why I love them and just get into them on air. And, uh, yeah, with the reminders, I had to wait a little while, you know, I had to wait a couple months to get into that and, uh, finally start playing their stuff on, uh, on the air. I think carousel, their first single came out. I could play that for a while, but like that whole record, it was like, there's so much stuff that I wanted to play and uh, I had to wait till the album got released, but so, so good. And, uh, actually I will say I've not interviewed him yet, but I believe we will uh, be having Leo from Reminders, who uh, he was on last year. We got to talk about the record. He will be coming back, I believe, very soon. So be on the lookout for that. I can't wait. That is that is very uh, coincidentally. I, I'll give that. I will give that little tease. He will be uh, coming on soon. I can't wait to talk to the dude who. Uh, I mean, not only already had him on. He was really fun. So I already know he's a great dude. But um, you know, get to talk to him a little more about the record, and uh, you know, I already told him it was my favorite of the year. I probably even told him when he was on um, that it was my favorite at the time. But it nothing, nothing knocked it out of out of the number one slot. A lot of great music came out. Nothing, uh, nothing hit me like that record, and it still does. Honestly, I was listening to it on the uh, way to the studio earlier, and just just as pumped on it as I was when I uh, first got into it. an instant one too. I mean, some albums. 
you got to listen to a couple times and then they click for you. And that was one where I was like, holy shit. Like the first listen, I was like, all right, they got me post Paris blues. I heard the first song on the record and it was, and talking about those bass lines and stuff too. I'm blanking on their bass player's name and I apologize. Amazing, amazing bass player. But, um, I mean, just listening to it right away, I was like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, I think if you're a bass player I, I and you appreciate those kinds of things, those, like, driving bass lines and punk rock, like, if you're a fan of the face-to-face or Green Day or Banner Pilot, you know, that kind of, like, bass playing, like, I, I think you will definitely appreciate the bass playing on this record. But everything's great. Like, I think, I think the simplicity of the band is one of their strong suits. Because, again, like, they really – I know Leo comes from the school of the Ramones. I know he loves all the good shit. We talked about all the good bands and influences. And, uh, you know, th- that dude knows you only need a couple chords and a good melody, you know. I mean, he's good at that, too. He writes some catchy fucking songs. Honestly, every song on this album is catchy. But uh, my top three for uh, this one – and, again, this will be on the playlist. You can go give that a listen and hear all this uh, great music I've been talking about this episode. Again, again, that is my favorite song on the record – Carousel and Daisy, but uh, there that is another album. There's not a there's not a stinkeroo on there. All all ten songs are great. I cannot wait for uh, more music from them. And uh, I know at the end of this, if you're if you're in the UK, um, them and Lovebreakers who put out one of the best records of 2021 the year prior. They're do, they're going on a little tour. They're doing like six dates at the uh, end of this month. They're going to late January into like the first week of February. And uh, definitely go see if they're playing around you. I would love. I hope those two play the states at some point together. And uh, grade two as well. The three best bands doing it right now in the UK. Which uh, Leo of Reminders has a uh, side project with two of the dudes from Grade Two called Transatlantics. And uh, we'll probably talk about that too when I have Leo on. But um, those three bands and Grade Two is about to release a new record this year. Funny enough, look at that. that's probably how it's going to work. Twenty twenty one, one of the best records. Uh, came out of the UK. It was Lovebreakers with Primary Colors. Last year, it was Reminders with Best of Beach Punk. 2023, probably Grade 2 with their new record coming out in like another, I think it comes out in like a month or two. And uh, I think that's going to fucking blow me away and everybody else away. There's some real, I've said it a bunch on here. I mean, I've interviewed, you know, Lovebreakers, Reminders, got to interview the dudes from Grade 2 at some point. But I mean, I've said it a bunch, but like some of the best music going on right now, because these are all like fresh new bands. They've only been around for a couple years. I mean, some of the best shit's going on in the UK right now, like really good stuff. And I would love to see them live and uh, would love to see them come play the States too. And I'll just try and do my part. We got to, we got to expose, uh, you know, we, we got to get, we got to get that name out here more in the States reminders and love breakers and grade two. Um, grade two has done a little touring over here. I believe love breakers and reminders. I don't think they've ever played the States yet, but uh, hopefully that'll change. I, I love them both. And love breakers. I think have a new album coming out at some point in 2023. So, Lots of good stuff I'm looking forward to this year. But 2022, again, some really, really good records. And that was uh, that was a good year for music. So thank you very much for listening to that. I, I realize that's the funny thing with these is I, I know they're going to go long, but I still try to try to keep them not too long. But we are 90 minutes in talking these uh, top 10, which funny enough, I was going to have a guest come in. I was going to like co-host or have a guest or whatever on this one and talk both our top 10s of the year. And it was probably better. It's just me. Cause it would have been like a four hour last year. We did that with, uh, with Joey Cobra. He was in for our uh, favorites of last year and it was fun, but it was definitely a long, it was definitely a long episode. So maybe it's good. It's just me on here, uh, doing my top 10 instead of two people doing our technically like top 20. That, that definitely will take a while, but uh, yeah, this was really fun. Tons of good music, and and again, that wasn't even actually. You know, you know your best bet. I will make a playlist with all these songs on here because I do it every year. 
But if you really want to see like on top of these albums and more, I did uh I did my the playlist you want to go see is from the Power Chord Hour, the radio show from like two weeks ago because I played music. I did my top ten albums of the year and I played three songs off of them. Like I like I told you on here, I played and some of them are the same ones I have on here. Some are different. I did that, then I played all of Best of Beach Punk, but then we did another uh what was it, three hours of just my favorite music of uh twenty twenty two. So it's it's all together four hours of not just, you know, it's a bunch of music off these 10 records, but then there's like singles, songs off EPs, songs off albums that didn't hit my top 10. So like that might also be the playlist to go check out if you just want to hear more great music from last year. But uh, yeah, there there really was a ton of it and a bunch of cool stuff this year, I think, coming, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, the soonest being White Reaper. They got their new album coming out, uh, Asking for a Ride. They'll be out in like, oh damn, like two weeks or something. I think it comes out the 27th. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm recording this on the 11th, so comes out in a little over two weeks. And, I mean, all, all three singles off that so far have been solid, and uh, that is definitely – I've been anticipating that since uh, twenty since the last record in 2019, and I think that's going to deliver. But, fuck, in another year we'll be back here. I'll be talking my favorite records of 2023. That's going to be insane. But uh, let's not jump ahead. I'm excited to get into it. I know we kind of have – we have somewhat of a late start. I mean, the radio show, we've already done this year. I mean, I, I've, I've continued to do the radio show. And, I mean, we did just do, I guess, the other podcast like two weeks ago. But I feel like, because I kept meaning to do this episode, and it's so fucking late, that I feel like we're starting the year so late, you know, starting on like the 11th. But really, you know, people are kind of taking that break and slowly getting things started again. So, you know, hopefully uh, hopefully nothing too bad. You weren't running around going, where the hell's Anthony? I'm back. We got that for you. I'll be back next week with Maddie Grace from Cluttered, Crisis Party, Gross. Oh, what other bands? Oh, there's so many. I'm blanking on Future Girls, a bunch of them. She's in so many bands. We just did our our, uh, second interview. Uh, It's our second time on the show. I I, I did it last week with her. My voice was strained, which you will hear next week. I definitely – I sound like I have strep throat, even though it didn't feel like strep throat. And I don't think it was. It went away in like four days. But um, I had such a good time with her. It was it was so fun because also you we already have talked for like two hours, you know, from the last interview, and we bullshit for like an hour before we even did this interview. So it's one of those things where it's like it's an interview, but it's also kind of two buds just fucking around. You know what I mean? Like at some point, it's like all right, we've collectively talked on the you know on on Streamyard or whatever. We you know we've talked collectively for like four hours, like you know. It's kind of like just having a conversation with a friend at that point. But uh, she has tons of great music coming out this year. And uh, Clutter just put out a really good EP at the end of 2022. So uh, we'll get into all of that. And, uh, yeah, then we'll have some more guests. I'm kind of getting everyone around. I definitely won't tell you I have, like, 20 guests lined up. I'm still figuring everything out, getting everyone around. But uh, I, I have some uh, I have some people, if they get back to me, that I've sent out that would be really, really cool. But uh, we will we will see where we go from there. But I'm excited to start another year of the podcast, and I can't believe we're already. I mean, we're the the, the radio show is gonna gonna be celebrating its seventh year in uh, February. But even the podcast. I mean, I did our first one in like December 2019, and now it's January 2023. I mean, there was even a pan. I mean, like when I started this, I just moved back to New York after Minnesota, living in Minnesota. There wasn't even a pandemic. There's been a pandemic. It's been. I mean, it's been fucking like four years now. Like my God, time has passed. So yeah. 
Anyway, <laughs> until I come back next week, uh, follow us online at Power Court Hour, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. The radio show, we're in our new time slot, 8 to 11 Eastern on Friday nights. And now we got a replay Tuesday nights, midnight to 3. So if you're, including if you're on the West Coast, because you can stream, you can stream the radio station live online at WRFALP.com and on the WRFA mobile app. So, I mean, if you're on the uh, West Coast and, you know, my uh, my normal time of, of 8 to 11, um, you know, that might work a little better, too, for you. Midnight to 3 Eastern is 9 to midnight your time. So, or or even if just, I, you know, I, I also realized that and it was something I really didn't realize when I started the show. But, like, you know, Friday nights, literally into Friday night, like, you know, a lot of people are going out and doing stuff. You know, even if you're not going out partying, you're probably doing shit on Friday night. So, like... You know, I realize tuning in, uh, you know, on a Friday night may be hard. So I, I like the replay on it. Because what the fuck are you doing Tuesday night? You know what I mean? Like it's going into, you know, Monday to Tuesday. It's not, it, it's too, It's right at the, it was right at the beginning. You kick off your Tuesday at midnight with the radio show for three hours. Like what are you doing at Tuesday at midnight? Not a goddamn thing. So tune into that. And uh, I mean, if you're in the Jamestown area, 107.9 WRFA, anywhere else, again, you can stream the uh, the radio station on our website, WRFALP.com, and on the uh, on WRFA on the mobile app. Also, if you're listening to this day that it comes out, because I mean, it's happening uh, tomorrow, it'll be Thursday the 12th, I'm doing uh, Arts on Fire, which is a program that I host on WRFA. Uh, we do Arts on Fire Live. It's our first one of the year, and it's really cool. Um, it, we do a video. We do it live and it's a uh, performance, and I, I host it. I uh, interview the musicians and stuff. It's kind of it, kind of like a late night kind of vibe. You know what I mean? Kind of like a late show, kind of, kind of like you know, like David Letterman going up and like talking to the band after a song. You know, like a couple questions and stuff. Not a real in depth interview. You know, kind of go up, talk for a couple minutes. They play some songs. I come back up, talk for a couple minutes. You know, you know, host it. Thank everyone for tuning in and stuff. But uh, that'll be going on tomorrow night at seven seven Eastern on uh, WRFA, and you can also watch that on YouTube at WRFA. Just search WRFA on YouTube. But uh, you can watch you can watch yours truly. You know, obviously this is a uh, audio medium, but that you, and live too. You can watch me live. You can watch if I fuck up, it's live. There's no uh, you know, it's just in there, baby. So uh, you know, it's it's always it's always fun. I mean, it's more music centric, and it's more on. We have Matt Maloof. A local artist tomorrow. It's all local too, like from Chautauqua County. But uh, we'll have him in, and it's always a fun time. But if you want to check that out, I mean, totally different from the Power Court Hour. I mean, the bands we have in too are like not, you know, are normally not really. Uh, you're very different from what I play on the Power Court Hour. Though funny enough, we just uh, in December we had a guest on, and Sally Schaefer, a great musician from Buffalo was uh, playing in the band who uh, came in for Arts on Fire Live, and she plays in Stress Dolls. So, you know, there is some, like, overlap there, but, you know, we get into, like, different genres and stuff. I mean, the one the one month we had a 17 or a 19-piece jazz band in, you know, like, things like that. So, like, yeah, totally different. But if you want to check that out, yours truly is hosting it tomorrow night. And, uh, yeah, I guess that is it. So until now, oh, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast, if you would. That helps out a lot. Um, you know, tell your friends about us, all that good shit. But until next week for the Power Court Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.